You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to another beautiful episode of Cooking in Mexican from A to Z on Heritage Radio Network. I'm one of your hosts, Alon Sanchez, alongside my beautiful mother, Farela Martinez. Of course, of course. And uh, we, uh, our mission is to always enlighten people about the beautiful world of Mexican ingredients, their applications, and then, of course, we bring in these wonderful experts and, and uh, real trailblazers in this, in this beautiful world of Mexican cuisine and ingredients and culturally uh, significant movements that everyone is sort of involved with. And today we have a repeat guest, Mom. Are you excited about this or what? I sure am. Of course, we're talking about Fanny Gerson. She is just... Uh, Someone that we, we, like, you know when you meet people and you just want to rub them because they're going to make you smarter and make you cooler? Like, she is the genie like that. Um, Chef Annie. I like to pinch her cheeks. Yeah, pinch pinch her. There you go. (laughs) Well, we need to have some of that osmosis, some of that energy and some of that brilliance that she has uh, permeating through her whole being. Um, And obviously, we're talking about Fanny Gerson, who's, you know, brought up in the Polanco section of Mexico City, of course. She's, you know, from Jewish background and, you know, kind of took her whole... Uh, path and her trajectory to New York City, where she's been kicking ass for many, many years, obviously in Brooklyn. And uh, she has her little mini chain of, of dough donuts. And then, of course, she launched La New Yorkina, a business specializing in all natural uh, natural handmade paletas, which is really beautiful. And, and, and not just with Mexican fruit, but all, also with cream, popsicles, ice creams, and pastries. Uh, so she's continuing this mission. And I think what we're going to be focusing very heavily today is talking about the, the beauty about Mexican ice creams and how they're done and and what really differentiates that sort of experience. So with that, bienvenido. Uh, Gracias. Thank you so much for the kind intro. I do have to mention that I'm no longer at Doe, even though I, I um, started. And I think last time okay. I was with you, I was about to, I was in the process of opening my new concept, Fan Fan Donuts. So... Yeah, so, well, please, well, while we're on that topic, let's yeah, talk about so that. Yeah, so I opened in the middle of right the pandemic, there. which was crazy, in the original location of where mm-hmm. I had, you know, dough. Um, you know, I really wanted to go back to sort of the roots of when I started, uh, very community-based, and also be, have kind of an immigrant approach, you know, kind of, I didn't grow up eating donuts the way that, uh, you know, that a lot of Americans do. You know, I I had had donuts, of course, but they weren't quintessential the way that other sweet treats are in Mexico. Um, And I'm just continuously inspired by all of the people and culture that New York brings together. And so I explore that. I use uh, the donuts as a canvas and we make fresh donuts, yeast donuts throughout the Mm -hmm. day. I've been actually playing around with... um, Beignets, which I know are big in <laughs> in um, in New Orleans, um, but I have no point of reference. You know what I mean? Like I've had them, but but which is good because it's not like I'm trying to recreate it. something. It's kind of like take this essence and then make it my own. 
Um, but I'm so excited to talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is ice cream. <laughs> you know, there's in Veracruz, this, they call them mm -hmm. buñuelos of viento, but they're actually piped in donuts. And then they float them in a yeah. miel de piloncillo. Mm -hmm. yeah. I have the recipe in my book, Sarelas Veracruz. They're fantastic. And at the ranch where I grew up, my mom used to make donuts at least once a week. Wow. They were like cake donuts with lots of cinnamon sugar. That sounds delicious. Outstanding. To your point, though, Chef Annie, we're going to talk about uh, about Mexican ice cream. And uh, I think it'd be really interesting to sort of kind of bring it back to its core, you know, because I've been to Dolores Hidalgo and I've seen how they make the ice creams there where they shift them and they move them around and they kind of just have them in, 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 in ice. Like, talk to me a little bit about what your perception is of the origin of Mexican ice cream, because I think it's really interesting. So I wrote a book about specifically Mexican ice creams. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting because not a lot of people think of Mexico necessarily for, you know, having a strong ice cream culture or anything like that. Like there's many other things they think about, but not necessarily ice cream. So the first ice creams, they're not really ice creams, but let's in that category were actually, you know, these, these mm -hmm. uh, frozen treats where they would gather then snow from the top of the volcanoes, you know, in uh, near the outskirts of Mexico city. And they would bring them down and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I saw written about it of how they actually transported it and kept it frozen, you know, um, with this petate. I don't know what the translation of that is, but um, kind of like a burlap and uh, create like layers. And then they would put frozen, you know, there's a lot of uh, fruit is very abundant in Mexico. So it's uh, they would mash them and they would make some of kind course. of like natural fruit syrup and then eventually you know, sweeten it with natural syrups that we have in Mexico because back then we didn't have um, sugar, sugar cane. And, uh, like jarrabes, har in yeah, essence, yeah, yeah. right? Exactly, no? like natural, kind of like natural yeah, syrups, yeah. or they would get like with, from the agave, sweeten it with that. And um, So those were sort of the first. But the ones that you're referring to are called Nieves de Garrafa, and uh, I love them. And, yeah, yeah. Um, Nieves de Garrafa. Yeah, and so essentially it's, uh, you know, it's a cylinder, and uh, it has, you know, sort of your base. <laughs> and then it, it does the same thing as any other ice cream machine, like mm -hmm. the way that you see here that it's, you know, hand-churned, but this is hand-paddled instead of churned. And so it has this very long exactly. wooden paddle, um, and it just creates the most amazing texture. Is that like the butter maker? It's similar to a butter maker, like the churn, but not... Not the one in Mexico. The one in Mexico yeah. just has this really, really long paddle that looks almost like a cricket <laughs> paddle. But I think it's important to mention, though, Fanny, Chef, that it's not, uh, it's the, the, the eggs are not tempered. You're not making like the traditional ice cream base. Right. Correct, right? Correct. So, so that's a very important point. So if you go to an ice cream shop in Mexico, mm -hmm. You are going to see the majority, at, at the very least half, but in most cases, the majority are sorbet. So they're water-based um, and they're fruit-based, which is yeah. a flip if you think about most ice cream, you know, mm -hmm. places in the world, you know, that have like a strong sort of ice cream culture, whether it's gelato in Italy uh, or, or helados in Argentina or in the U.S., where they have some, you know, sorbet 
um, options, but it's not the main. It's not the main focus. And in Mexico, it is the main focus. And then the the creamy ones. There, there's no cream. They're made with milk for for the most part, like these particular ones. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, and they come in so many incredible flavors. And then the texture is it's creamy, but it's not rich. Um, and so that's also very special. When you're thinking about what are some of the, the, the capitals of ice cream making in Mexico or this, the, the different variations, what would you say? Like, where did you go travel for some inspiration in, in the earlier parts of your career? I went all around Mexico. And uh, the place that you were mentioning, Dolores Hidalgo, mm -hmm. is incredible. They have like a main square. Um, and there's just vendor after vendor, yeah. one right next to the other. Yeah. And there's one particular store that I am forgetting, blanking the, the name of it, but I will share with you after. So if you have a link on it, you know, if you want to link it. Uh, it because they specialize in yeah, of flavors made with different cacti, you know, so different parts of different kinds of cactus fruits. Yeah. Uh, from, you know, that, that are only uh, regional. Yep. And I had, I can tell you, in that particular place, I went to see them, how they make one, and I had the best, probably the best ice cream, well, it was a sorbet, that I've had in my life. And it was this uh, little fruit yeah. they call borrachita because the, it's, it's small. It looks kind of like it's at the center of the gasnate, mm -hmm. um, which is a cactus, and it has this fruit that looks like a white strawberry, but they call it borrachita, which means like little drunk, drunk, um, you know, girl, <laughs> uh, because mm -hmm. it starts to ferment really fast. And it was mm -hmm. just incredible. Wow. Then there's also a yearly ice cream festival in Xochimilco, which is in the outskirts of Mexico City. Um, and there they have a lot of very fun flavors like Viagra, <laughs> snake, uh, <laughs> or mole and stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, the, the same technique is applied everywhere. Oh, also in Pátzcuaro, there's one very famous one that's called Nieve de Pasta. Mm -hmm. which is uh, what, what, in famous by in this one no? family. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Then they also have chongo zamoranos mm -hmm. in Zamora, uh, which is like a milk, sweetened milk curd. And the flavors that you find in Mexico are also very different than, than I've seen, you know, uh, like queso fresco, mm. uh, avocado, yeah. fresh corn. Um, the corn in Mexico is not sweet like it is here. So... Um, just everywhere. <laughs> Every place has its yeah. own and, thing. And, and Veracruz. Yeah, in Veracruz they have like a lot of the coastal flavors, you know, like that you would find in a lot of tropical states, you know, like coconut and lime and tamarind. Yep. But in, in Veracruz they have, it's not exactly ice cream, but I, I think it's worth uh, talking about. Mm. It's called Glorias mm -hmm. and they are so good. It's, um, you know, this glass and they put mashed uh, either banana or strawberry and then they put grenadine. It has shaved ice uh, and like a grenadine syrup with more condensed milk and cinnamon. Wow. So that's its own thing. <laughs> exactly. Oaxaca, I didn't even get to Oaxaca. Oaxaca has its own, um, you know, the, there's, you know, certain combinations that are very... Um, you know, 
popular there. Like they have a leche quemada, which is a burnt yep. milk ice cream. And when I say burnt, I don't mean like caramelized. No. Like no, I mean burnt yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah. And it's paired with a red prickly pear sorbet. Um, and so that's very classic, and you find it everywhere. But then there's also like some more contemporary places, like there was this place, uh, Helados Manolo, mm -hmm. that had uh, one uh, tamarind with grasshoppers. Uh, they obviously use a lot of mezcal, um, and so it's just really interesting. And and you know, Mexican food is very regional, and that's certainly true for the ice cream as well. Wonderful. And uh, and then Oaxaca itself has, you know, different valleys. So when you go to each different region, they each have their own little touches and, and how, how they make things. And a lot of the ice creams uh, that are milk-based are made uh, that, you know, from raw milk, which is wow. very, which is amazing when you can get it. Yeah. Mom, and what are some of your earliest experiences with ice cream, Mom, and some of your travels? And... Because I think there's, I think you know, our, our listen, our listeners need to understand a little bit about the trajectory. Because I think ice cream is so beloved around the world, but I think the way we do it in Mexico is so distinct. So well, I, I have to uh, embarrass yourself and tell you that the earliest ice cream memories I had is that we were at the ranch and we were spoiled rotten, and my uncle Mario would send his chauffeur, his pilot, to Douglas, Arizona, to bring us all the ice cream we wanted and all the 45 records we wanted at the time. So that was my first, <laughs> that was my first experience with ice cream. But when I went to mm -hmm. Oaxaca, I discovered all sorts of wonderful ice creams that I had never, that I had never tasted. But my fresh paleta and ice cream was the one with the strawberries and milk and chocolate. Yeah, I, th I think what's interesting is the idea of the popularity of paletas, and I know, I mean, Fanny, to be honest, you are it. You're the, the chef that really started to do it artisanally and, and put that on the map because there's really those beautiful sort of experience that you have with Mexico going through the Socalo or through the, the, the town square and having a paleta or having a little bit of nieve. And the question I have for you is, so we don't have a culture of having cones necessarily in Mexico, or do we? So we can, for our listeners to understand that. What are your thoughts? That's a good point. So we don't, we we didn't have, I would say, uh, for for the most part. But there are some places, uh, like in Dolores Hidalgo, that make uh, cones, but they're very uh, long cones. Mm -hmm. But it's different than it is here. Like you will go to certain ice cream shops and you that don't have cones. But I think that that's changed over time more and more. Because I think that's also the influence of like the U.S. and Mexico. Um, then there's other places that don't have cones, but they have sort of cone cookies. Mm. Like in um, Campeche, they do that. Um, or they do like cone baskets. But it's very different um, than it is. And, and if you do, it's not sort of like the enormous variety that that you see here. It's It's all about sort of the... The, the main centerpiece, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but I think it's very important to mention if you think about from um, a Mesoamerican uh, palate and, and diet, we have the vanilla, we have the cacao, we have the corn, you know? So in all of these beautiful, luscious, tropical fruits that inform the way usually ice creams are made, correct? You know? And then, you know, so I think it's interesting to look at it at that point of view. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so too. Let me grab, can I grab really quickly my book? Because you just remind me of a quote that I put. One second. Sure, of course, of course, of course. So this is uh, in the in the first page of my book. And I and I just thought of it because I remember a friend of mine who, who got the book. He was like, I read that first sentence and I was like, whoa, that's, that's like so powerful. And it's like, and bold for you to say that. But I was like, Mexico is the birthplace of vanilla and chocolate. And it's like, if you stop about that, Think about that for a second. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's why I brought it up. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and then, I mean, I talk about more stuff, but, I mean, chocolate, it's the birthplace, but we don't have a strong, you know, all of these things, like chocolate is harvested, it's produced in third world countries, but it's manufactured and, and made popular, and, you know, the people that make the money are the ones, you know, the, the richer countries. Um, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, then we're getting into a whole different kind of subject, but, um, mm-hmm. anyway, so then I, I just say, so I said like, it's no wonder that the country has a rich and revered ice cream tradition. And I talk about how like the tropical fruits, the chilies and nuts and all of that is what makes the, these ice creams so complex, so unique on, on their own. And we also don't have a lot of Sundays. That's also an you know? We don't have a lot of toppings. Ah. Yeah. We, you know, we have chili powder, um, like there's jicama, sorbet, you put chili and lime, um, and things like that. But for the most part, and again, some modern places do, but traditionally, or, or the most, you know, tradition is a word that gets sort of thrown around a lot, so I don't know if it's the one, but the most popular yeah. ones, the most common, common. ones don't don't have that yeah and i think what separates mexican ice creams and and sorbets and handcrafted artisanal uh, frozen confections whatever term we want to use but is the flavor combinations i mean we're and we're we're crossing over with savory ingredients that make total sense corn avocado all of these things that are used in a sort of savory capacity are so applicable when it comes to ice creams, you know, and chile and all that good stuff. So, you know, yeah, 100%. And they're not and they're not savory and they're not gimmicky. You exactly. know, they're just fantastic. <laughs> and why don't they use like caramelized uh pecans or nuts, you know, garampiñados as toppings? That's just not a thing. It's not really a thing, like using caramelized. I mean, I think, like I said, some of the more modern places use it. Um, but even things like um, puffed amaranth that we've used, you know, in Mexico for a long time, you'll find it in some places. But for the most part, like, it's still, like, you go to a stand and it's all about, it's, it's just the ice cream or sorbet in a cup. But also one thing that is important to mention, wherever you go in the country, it's called something different. So in some places, like mm. in Mexico City where I grew up, nieve applies to sorbet, you know, like water-based. Um, there's no yeah. dairy. Helado. And, uh, but, yeah, and helado was, was ice cream. And then, but then there's other parts where nieve is the word used. There's, they don't use the word helado. It's just nieve de agua, nieve de leche, or nieve de crema. So, you know, I, I have like a whole part of my book about that I talk about that because it's, it's sort of like, Okay, what do you refer to, depending on where you are from Mexico, you know? Uh, and there's no right or wrong. That's just how it is in different parts of the country, you know, to make it a bit more confusing. But for me, growing up in Mexico City, that's the, that's the distinction, you know? 
so there are no Sundays anywhere. But do they have anything like like uh, ice cream bars? Well, like ice cream bars, you said, or sandwiches? Uh, not not. I mean, in more contemporary places, you start to see them more and more. That's more like the American influence. And then the closest thing to an ice cream bar are the creamy paletas, but they're they don't have air um, as part of them, uh, like they do. Like if you buy like an ice cream bar in the states, it's very airy, very creamy, and so it it just has a bit of a, di a different texture. But therefore, they're all from the same family. And can people make ice cream at home? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. You can make ice cream at home. I mean, there are many. the The, the main thing is, I mean, Mexican ice cream is perfect to make at home because it's meant to have a bit of texture. It's not as creamy and as airy as American ice cream is, or, you know, it's, you know, uh, there's very few that are custard-based, meaning with egg, and you don't need a fancy machine. You can replicate sort of the garrafa uh, method at yeah. home, you know, taking like a tall cylinder and putting ice around it with salt, very important, and then just spin it. It takes a long time, but you can certainly yeah, do it. it. But there's also, you know, some ice cream machines that are, you know, not that expensive. Uh, so you don't need to spend a lot of money to make great ice cream at home. But there's nothing like a freshly made ice cream. And I think we should bring up the whole idea of raspadas as well yeah. while we're just on this topic, because I think it's important to talk a little bit about, you know, when, when I think ice cream, I think about the French technique of tempering eggs, uh, you know, creme anglaise, whatever you want to call it, and then that becomes the base for your ice cream. You know, if you get an ice cream machine, a good one, it could, you, can, you can whip an ice cream, right, Fanny, like yeah. seven to 11 minutes. It's, yeah. not that a big it's not a big deal, you know, to, to make it. Um, uh, so I just think, you know, for the for everyone that's listening that, that feels it's something that's daunting or difficult to achieve, it's not, obviously. It, it, it's it's pretty straightforward and, um, you know, and the flavor combinations are endless. Well, endless. bringing up your raspado thing, one of the dreams I have always had since I was a young girl was to have a crushed ice machine at the, at the house. And I remember mm -hmm. when I moved to New York, we were Studio 54, was still going, and they would shut off the music at 4 o'clock, and you'd be going out, and there were like huge bowls of crushed ice. And you would walk out of that with your crushed ice. I love crushed ice, especially in uh, raspados. So let's talk a little bit about that. So the idea of raspados and shaved ice, because here in New Orleans, we have a huge culture for, we call them snowballs down here, and, and all of that, and shaved ice. Let's talk a little bit about that, because that's a huge part of Mexican culture, which is sort of a subsection of what we're talking about. Yeah, so the raspados, you know, for those who, to visualize it, you know, mm -hmm. it's usually like a big block of ice, and they have a little handheld mm -hmm. metal tool that just raspado is like refers to scraping. So you literally scrape, you raspar yeah. the, the, the ice, and then put, it's put in a mm -hmm. glass. And then there's, you know, a ton of syrups that are usually... Um, fruit-based, um, but some are just liquidy, you know, syrups like tamarind, but some have chunks or there's a kind of, they're not compotes, but think of it somewhere between like a syrup and a mm. jam, uh, you know, with guava yeah. and uh, they're very sweet. 
<laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and some places yeah. now, depending on where you are, they also have um, condensed milk or a combination of both. But what you see is, and these are sold, you know, uh, not so much in a shop in shops, uh, but they're sold uh, much more commonly in uh, little carretas, like little, you know, sort of carts. Yeah, on the street. On the street. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's. You see them... It has a perception of being more affordable, too. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like everyone can, you know, have a raspado. Everyone can have a raspado. And also, in in, in that sense, a lot of people can make a living doing that. And all of the syrups that they make, they can last a long time. They're high in sugar, you know, and they're just beautiful and delicious. And uh, I just remember, this this is not that, but when we were talking about the different kinds of sort of ice cream things in in um, mm. Yucatan there's a this thing called champola which is essentially a milk a, a milk float you know and uh, yeah, yeah yeah that's right and so yep. you know but but the, a lot of the flavors they make it in Merida here, no exactly exactly in Merida I've had it in Merida yeah yeah exactly it's so good you know mame yeah. is you know, fantastic flavor yeah. <laughs> from mm-hmm. that area. Yeah, totally. um, Are like frozen drinks made with vanilla, like milkshakes and that kind of stuff? Well, vanilla, you know, most of the vanilla that's made in Mexico um, is exported, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. but, and so, so you have like a lot of vanilla flavoring. It's still the most popular in the world. Uh, so you see it in like vanilla ice cream, but I think that the flavors that predominate the Mexican ice cream, shaved ice, palette, whatever category, you know, frozen treat is the fruit. Mm-hmm. Like that is the, Absolutely. you know, the main character, uh, whatever fruit is from that region. Um, but fruit mm-hmm. is at the, is at the forefront, you know, like it's, it's you're, you, and people are ex- as excited about it as they are about you know, creamy ice cream here, for example. Uh, so it's not about like, you think about, uh, you know, something very American like um, Ben and Jerry's, you know, like all the flavors, yeah. they have like all, a lot of chunks and, you know, caramel and brownies or, or cookies or, you know, things like that. And, and you know, in Mexico, it's sort of the opposite spectrum, right? It's, it's light, yep. but packed with flavor, but it's about that. You know, it's about, I mean... It's about tartness and chili. What are your guys' favorite uh, ice creams or sorbets? I'm curious. The first thing I do when I get to Mexico is have a tamarind paleta and a grilled corn. Tamarind paleta is my favorite, <laughs> exactly. too. See? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love I love tamarind. I think what, what separates the Mexican palate is that idea of people don't understand the difference between something that's sour and, and acidic. They're completely two different mm. things, you know, yeah. or bitter. You know, coffee is bitter. A lemon is acidic, you know. And I think Mexicans, we have the bitter and acid thing down with chile yeah. all day long. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, not yeah, spicy yeah. chile. It's very manageable chile. You know what I mean? It's not like something that's something that's going to blow your palate away. And I, and I think that's important to mention.
This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3 from HRN, we're dissecting the mojito, one ingredient at a time. Because it's fizzy water and it's different to other waters we've seen, it must cure something. I actually hadn't heard that Sir Francis Drake story before, but it was so typical it had me rolling my eyes over here. There was no other substance around where you could get so much booze per buck. Tune in to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. Let me ask a question. Why can't they make those those gelatos that is a so strong chocolate that you can get sometimes in Greenwich Village? You know they're that, like black chocolate, just fantastic. I mean, wow. it's not. That, it's, that, that, that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not that they can't. I mean, there's in in a lot of cities, you know, big cities, they're making a lot of gelatos. Actually, they're going away. For, they're going more the European style. Um, and exploring those flavors and it's, uh, but, but Mexican chocolate, you can't get that from Mexican chocolate, uh, you know, because yeah. it's, it's just very it's not, different. Because it's not conched. It, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it's, it's conched. not conched, but it's also mixed, you know, you, if you try to melt Mexican chocolate, like the discs, it won't melt, like the, the fat content isn't there. It's mixed it, it with won't. sugar. It's its own thing. Yeah. You can't even sort of like compare them and that's very uh yeah, high yeah. cocoa um so you can make it it's just um i think it's better though i, I think we have our own thing i think we have yeah. our own thing you know <laughs> and there's room for everyone you know there's no yeah, but we can't chase no the european style we can't chase the european style when you have a cacao that doesn't react to it like that you know what i mean uh, but what do i do if i feel like one well, you have to go get it, mom. <laughs> you have to go get it. <laughs> we'll have we'll, we'll send it to you, mom. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite well, ice cream, Aaron? I don't. Oh man, I have I have so many. Um, I mean, for me, I love. Uh, and by the way, I've been to Dolores Hidalgo. I've been to the Socalo. I saw where they did the grito. I've been there, and I understand exactly what you're talking about. And it was really special when I went. And we, they had so many crazy flavors that were not even cool. Like, I mean, they did something with, like, seafood. And I was like, come on. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah oh, yeah. yeah I got, tried that. Yeah, yeah. I tried a shrimp cocktail one. I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, you guys got to get it together here. But at the end of the day, I love uh, my go-to is my uh, Mame Zapote. I love that little sort of 
the jammy, overripe fruit in an ice cream. The the mamesa potes, you know, something so unique and different. So for me, that would be definitely my my, my top one if I had to choose. Um, yeah, just like those extracted flavors, you know, it's something that's a a power punch in your palate, you know. Yeah. You know, and I love plantains and I love all those kind of like rich, deep things, you know, and I'm sure, I don't know if you've done it, but there's nothing better than a sweet plantain, a platano macho cooked down with piloncillo, a little bit of cinnamon, break that down and make that part of your ice cream base. Mm. Yeah. A little mm. plant, a little <laughs> fragrant plantain, roasted ice cream. Oh, yeah. que gusto. <laughs> yeah, you're making you know? Yeah, make that one, Fanny. Make it. I'm gonna make that one. I'm gonna call it our own special. Yeah. I wanna ask you. you something. Yeah. And one of your last fan, uh, you know, things that you wrote, that you said that you were opening up at a New Yorkina restaurant, or is that a no one? Yeah, yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your projects, Fanny. Like, what do you got going on so people can can follow you and and continue to support you? You know, with the pandemic, the last two years have were really about survival, you know, as, mm -hmm. as a business, in a personal way, like literally survival. And, uh, and now, uh, and so through the pandemic, we had to, like many people in the industry, reinvent ourselves. Uh, and we ended up having to close our brick and mortar, unfortunately, uh, just mm -hmm. due to the pandemic. But we started making savory Mexican homestyle meals to deliver to people's homes. Everything was cold Wonderful. with reheating instructions. Um, and it was a great response. And then as things opened up, you know, then we stopped doing it. Then we tried again. And anyway, so we were thinking about, so what's the next thing? And uh, even when we had the store, I have to say, winters were always a, you know, a struggle. Uh, because it's a seasonal, we're known, you know, mainly for our um, mm. ice creams, our paletas. And we had some other offerings, but um, it was not sort of the right setup. So we ended up doing a lot of things like churros and confections. But again, it wasn't mm. sort of the, the main thing. So we decided we're going to open a new concept uh, that's going to be sweet and savory. Uh, based on, mm. so we call, we call this concept temporarily El New Yorkino, but it's going to have a different mm. name and then it's going to have a new home for La New Yorkina inside. Um, oh, and so, cool. so right now we have to write the business plan and, you know, get money <laughs> somehow. Yeah. But, uh, but Fanny, one of the, one, a couple cool outlets, um, there's a really good, um, uh, this sort of new business that's been created called Chef. It's called S-H-E-F. And basically, it's allowing home cooks to be able to sell their goods to a, an audience. Oh, wow. A la Uber Eats. You should look that up. And then also, there's Go Belly. And Go Belly yeah. is, an, is awesome. And that really helped us in our businesses through the pandemic where you can ship food across the country. Yeah, we did that so, as well. And that really helped us. Yeah, they, yeah, were, good, they were good. a lifeline. They were a lifeline. Uh, uh, but now yeah. I feel like, you know, everybody's out and about and excited to eat out. And, you know, everything is shifting. I don't know how it is in New Orleans, but everything is shifting. So, Fanny, why don't you, why don't you tell everybody where they can get in touch with you um, um, and how they can engage with you and continue to support? Because that's what we do here in Cooking in Mexico from A to Z on Heritage Radio Network. Um, 
and we're really excited, you know, to have you back. We were so impressed uh, with all your infinite knowledge and all the things that you were doing, uh, you know, and have done. And I think it's such a beautiful niche that you've carved out for yourself. And I, my mom and I are just super impressed. So how can people get in touch with you? Thank you. Well, you know, I think if you come to New York, come visit, you know, the donut shop, Fan Fan Donuts. Mm -hmm. And uh, in mm -hmm. the season, you know, during the you know, hot months, uh, you know, from spring to fall, we have our seasonal locations of La Yorkina. The best thing, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't live here, you can at least get a taste. We ship nationwide La Yorkina to get a sweet taste of Mexico. And then, uh, you know, but if you want to sort of cre create them on your own, uh, you know, I have three, uh, three cookbooks, you know, my sweet Mexico, Mexican ice cream and paletas. Um, and they're very, you know, my intention with the books is to, it's sort of like, if you want to learn about Mexico through storytelling and a bit of the history and be transported, you know, that's sort of the, the written piece of it, like the head notes and whatever. So maybe if you don't want to cook anything, you, that you'd still get out of it or the opposite, that if you don't care about that and you just want a really good recipe and want to try something delicious, do that. You know, just use the recipe. <laughs> so that, that that's my intention, and you know, you can follow us on social media. And uh, but you uh, and know, so, and what is it on social media? On uh, Instagram? So Instagram is La New Yorkina, which is L A mm -hmm. New York spelled out I N A, and Fan mm -hmm. Fan Donuts is just F A N F A N. Thank you so much. You are the most wonderful guest, and I just feel such joy and looking at you and such admiration and I just want to pinch your cheeks and give you a big <laughs> hug because I'm so proud of everything you've achieved. Yeah and I, I know you know this and I don't I know you probably hear it all the time but your mom is you know I can't swear no, but you no, know it's una chingona. No the chingona. And she no, no. you know opened a lot of doors for a lot of us. And it's, uh, the women chefs, and, and I'm going to tell you, I'm very tough with the Latinas, you know, because of my scholarship and my foundation. I'm very tough on the women that, that I put through school because of my mom and because of people like you, Fanny, you know, who are continuing to push it. I'm, I'm really tough on the ladies, you know, because I want them to be the más chingonas like you guys. You know, so I just just know that I'm trying my best, you know, you know, so. But thank you so much. It means a lot. Te quiero mucho. Cooking in Mexican from A to Z is powered by Simple Cast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without your support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.
en mis entrañas. 